we're into a series. This is week four. The series is on divine healing. And last week, we started talking about how that faith is the victory. And tonight, I want to continue with that. We got into it a little bit, and we really started talking about trusting God. When you talk about having faith in God, another way to say that is having trust in the Lord. When you say I have faith in God, what that means is I am fully persuaded, fully persuaded that what he said is the final authority. That I never play the faith roulette game that, you know, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull, or, I'm, or the slot machine, I'm going to pull it, and man, I hope I get healed this time. No, if God said it, I am firmly persuaded that he will bring it to pass. What he has done, he will perform in my life. So I'm fully persuaded. When we talk about trusting in God, which is the same thing, that this means that I am fully persuaded that I have all my trust in him and not any trust in anybody else or anything else. I'm, I, all my trust is in him. When I talk about confidence, which I'm saying the same thing, when I talk about confidence, that means all of my confidence is in him. I'm not trying to rely on my own ability because I, I don't live my life by my own ability. That literally I'm united with him in fellowship, so you really should never be able to even separate where my ability ends and his begins. Jesus said this, O oh Father, that they might be one, even as you and I are one. Well, I believe God answered that prayer. Amen? So we're talking about this, and I love the scripture in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. We, we read it last week. This is Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus says, Come unto me, all of you who labor. This, this word labor, again, means... Come unto me, all of you that are worn out because you've been toiling. What does toil mean? The word toil is defined as an over-labor. It's defined to labor with pain and fatigue. It means to weary, something that makes you weary. It means a labor that brings oppression. It oppresses your mind and your body. Come unto me, all you that labor, all of you that are worn out because you're toiling and are heavy laden. Come to me, all of you who are overburdened with heavy burdens and loads. The Bible says, Jesus says this, and I will give you rest. In the Greek language, that means a quiet, a quiet ceasing that refreshes you. The ceasing is you cease from your own works and now you work out what he's working in. Now he's the God who knows everything. He knows how to make you at, and, and bring you to the top of your game of whatever you're doing. Paul said, when I'm weak, and that word weakness literally means an inability to produce results. When I have an inability to produce results, then I'm strong. Because God's ability to produce results is so much greater than my inability to produce results. Wow. 
Isn't he the author and the finisher of your faith? That in the Greek, it literally means he's the initiator and he's the developer. I like developer more because I have a feeling about two million years from now, we're going to be still developing in faith. You know, I love that. Why, why do I know that? Well, doesn't faith come by hearing his word? Think about the revelation you and I are going to walk in as we get to know him. I mean, you know, we can only go kind of so far in this world because we don't live forever here. But we are, but, but literally death, all, all death is as I step out of my body and now I'm with him forever. Wow, what does that look like? Glorious future. I will give you rest. Take my yoke, take my doctrine upon you and learn. Gain understanding of me, Jesus was saying. For I am meek and lowly. That means humble in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. Have you ever been weary in your mind? See, what happens when the enemy comes? He's always trying to get you to fight battles that are God, that, that's God's part. So, and, he'll, and, and if, you, if you let him, he'll back you into a corner where you're checkmated, where there's no way out, where in the natural, you lose. Sorry. But you know, as a Christian... The reality of that situation is it might look like a checkmate situation, but if the Bible is true, and it is, it can't be because you already have won. So this is what's so nice. He gives rest to your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And then last week we went into Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4, I love this. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why would you keep your mind stayed on God? Because he trusts in thee. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. This word not only means strength, it means an everlasting refuge. This verse is key to what we're talking about. And we're going to go farther tonight. Because this, this verse is identifying that trusting God is defined as me keeping my mind on Him. So important that we know this. I am to put all my trust in Him and no one or nothing else and I'm to walk this out by keeping my mind on him. Guess what your mind will do when you talk? It will listen to you. This is why you have to speak the word all the time. All the time. We don't speak what we feel, what we see. We speak what he says. So if he says you're a world overcomer, that's what we say all the time. If he says you're healed, that's what we speak. If he says you're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that's what I speak. Right? This is how we walk by the faith of God. If you look at it, Hebrews tells us, the Bible says, hold fast to the profession of your faith without wavering. And then it talks about, don't, don't cast away your confidence. And then it goes on and it says, 
we draw near to the Lord with a heart of full assurance of faith. When your heart is fully persuaded and all your trust is in the Lord, you're moving towards him. Hebrews tells us in about chapters 3 and 4 that if you don't believe God, it's an evil heart of unbelief, which means literally a rebellious disobedience and your heart is departing away from God. So you don't want to depart away, you always want to be pressing in, right? It's so important that we know this. So we went into these things and we said this last week that I'm to have complete confidence and complete dependence in him and no one or nothing else. Right? He's my provider. Now, man, when other people bless you, it's so wonderful because you sense their love for you, but you always know also that this is God who's doing this. When you have it on your heart to bless somebody, it's the same thing. You know, when people come to you and thank you, so many times Jeanette and I will say, hey, thank God because he's the one who put it on our heart, right? So what it means to trust God, we really talked about this last week, trusting God, it's a total reliance on his integrity, on his strength, on his ability. And guys, we've been living in incredible incredible days of of what i would call mental ascent where people can quote scriptures but they're just not fully persuaded because they haven't spent enough time meditating in the scripture to where they've renewed their mind to it so it's just in their mind it didn't start out with revelation in their heart that then washed over and renewed their mind remember we've said this several weeks ago Whatever you're facing, you find out from God's word two or three scriptures that that tell you what God's will is in your situation. And then you meditate in that word and you renew your mind to it and you will walk in the victory of it. Amen? Trusting God is founded upon gaining revelation knowledge from God's word of who he is. Not just head knowledge, right? There's many theologians out there that know they've studied the scriptures like they would study science. And they've they've developed themselves intellectually about things with God. What's amazing with some of these people is that they will start to come up with their own ideas. And they'll say things like, well, this, this part of the Bible, that's really not relevant anymore, Right? When, and, and you think about, you, you feel like going, wait a minute, I thought, I thought you were educated. Did you not see that scripture where it says, not one jot or tittle, not one comma, period, will ever pass away from the word of God? Did you, did you miss that? But I'm, I gotta tell you, revelation knowledge in your heart of who God is will change your life forever. So this, this time of monumental, see, it started out as a very strong movement, a very strong faith movement. And then we got so educated and we so micromanaged our faith that we started helping God out. And then all of a sudden, you're not seeing miracles, you're not seeing healings, because everybody 
is up to here with my faith walk and my life. And I'm not, I mean, I, I have never led anybody to Christ. I don't even tell anybody about the Lord. Now, I'll tell, I'll tell a lot of Christians about what their church needs to do and about how God's talking to me about different things pertaining to my life. But no passion for the lost, which tells me that you've unhooked from Jesus. And you've started to seek his hand instead of him. But all that's coming back. Because all of, all of that, for, for it's been a while now. You know, uh, I mean, the 70s were pretty powerful, the 80s and 90s. And boy, it just started. We started getting so, you know, so spiritually mature in our own mind that we forgot to meditate in the word. We forgot to literally how to walk by faith. Boy, how did I get off in all that? I'm telling you, God wants you to, he wants you to know how to walk by faith. And it all gets right back to here. Trusting God. Because you have revelation knowledge that has come to you as a result of putting this word first. You've come to a place where you actually made a decision. Here's the decision. It'll sound silly. You actually make the decision that Jesus, you are in every way my Lord. My life is not mine. My body's not mine. My spirit's not mine. My soul is not mine. I have been purchased by you. And now you are my Lord. And I'm going to spend my whole life knowing you. I'm not going to seek your hand. I'm going to seek your face. And the Holy Spirit, a person in that position, will teach that child of God the principles of faith. And it won't be knowing it uh, in theory. You'll know it experientially. Because you will see Bible knowing is, you've heard me say this, it's where the word of God is working in you, but it's also manifesting out of you. Amen? Faith in God, confidence in God, trust in God is all based on relationship. You'll see as Christians wake up, man, I feel very awake. But an awakening brings in a revival and you just it just keeps growing in you. I want to know him, which means I want others to know him. I want to lay hold of things so that I could teach other people how to lay hold of them, right? We must come to trust God this is probably the biggest statement that I made last week. We must come to trust God as we walk through the circumstances of our life in relationship with him. Not just, you know, we were talking today, there, there's a segment of the body of Christ that uh, are just, you know, I love God and man, whatever his will is for my life, if he delivers me out of this, I'm going to praise him. If he doesn't, I'm going to praise him. And all of us who know the word are just like, 
Man, be careful with that because the enemy will try to steal from you. But then there's this other ditch over here where I see people that are in every service and they're hungry for the things of God and they're honoring God and then all of a sudden they get mad at God because something didn't work out the way they wanted and they're gone. For a long time, I'm like, oh man, because I grew up in the Baptist church. God's sovereign, you know, it's whatever, whatever he wants, he's just going to do. Well, the Bible says, yes, he is sovereign, but he's told us what his will is, so we need to lay hold of that. And I'm like, man, that's not good. But over here, where you're just this little brat, and you're like, listen, God, um, I'm not going to really bow to your lordship. I want you to bless me. And if you don't, then I'm out. And pastor, don't you ever, ever preach a sermon that makes me mad because I'll leave, right? But there's no life in any of that stuff. Faith and trust in God, it breeds relationship, relationship. You get so consumed in who he is and knowing him that all of a sudden he's fixing things in your life without you being focused on them. Father, you know, I got these symptoms going on in my body. I believe I received my healing. And now I just live the rest of my life in worship. Father, I thank you that I'm healed and I'm focused on other things. I want to know you. That's faith. We talked about some benefits of trusting God causes you to overcome the distractions of your life. Trusting God calms you from giving in to external fear that's coming against you. It brings God's deliverance into your life from your enemies. Do you know he's delivered us already? But it literally brings that into our life as we trust him. It brings God, God's protection from evil when, not if, it comes against you. I love this one. Trusting God brings God's direction in your life because you don't fear. So when he says step, you just step. Right? You're not believing God to not be thrown in the furnace. You're fully persuaded. Throw me in or don't throw me in. I'm coming out the other end. I'm not even going to have the smell of smoke on me. No man will take my life, I'll lay it down, but no man will take it, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to, oh, Lord, can you please, can you take me around the mountain? This is uncomfortable. No, no, no. Do you notice how many times he takes you through things? But when you go through it, it's a, it's a rest. It's not hard. So I got to tell you, I believe there's going to be a great awakening where people are going to go, oh my gosh. People in our circles that have heard the word so much, but they're going to start renewing their mind to it, and all of a sudden, people are just going to, they're going to go from kind of this mild-mannered Christian who knows a little bit to a wild person. Because they're going to realize, oh my gosh, this is all true. And, and God never doesn't answer his word. He always performs it. Trusting God always will yield the blessing of God. It brings God's empowerment in your life. It empowers you. It equips you. And it brings continuous victory in your life.
So I remain in a place where I trust him. In this place, I'm not, I'm not offendable. Right? I'm not offendable because it's not about me. So let's jump over to Romans chapter 10, a scripture you've never heard before, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and let's go a little deeper into this tonight. You guys doing okay? I pray that the word of God would encourage you tonight. Hallelujah, build you up. It says here in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You could say it this way, so then faith, which is the ability to trust God, it comes by hearing. It comes by allowing the word of God to speak to my heart and hearing by the word of God. See, the ability to trust God comes as you gain revelation knowledge, which only comes by the Holy Spirit of his word that's how it comes so this is the road to trusting god guys we must meditate in the word more we must give the word first place in our lives so that we can renew our mind to it and walk in this place of trust because why god and his word are one you can't separate god from his word and here's the thing and, and, you know, this might be something for you to say 15 or 20 times a day. God's word cannot fail. It can't fail. Right? He's my provider. He's my healer. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think. In other words, the foundation of our trust, what we're talking about, the foundation of it is God's word. We must take God at his word and put all of our trust in his word, right? Because see, this is what happened. Faith, you could say this, faith grows or faith develops as you develop trust in God. This is a huge thing. And what is faith? Remember this, faith is a choice. You choose, see, you have to choose to walk by faith. Do you know when you, when you choose something, what's happening is you're yielding to it. And that's where a lot of believers are missing it. They are not yielded to the Lord. And they think they are. Right? And they're over here saying, but what they're doing is they're like, oh God, I will serve you with my whole life as long as it fits right in this part of my life because I'm really busy and I got a lot going on. Instead of going, oh Lord, I'm going to yield to you, which means I'm choosing you. I choose to walk by faith. Do you know believing is a choice? You have to choose what you believe. Think of how important that is in the earth. What you choose to believe will determine your eternal destiny and it will affect your life on this earth. This is how serious this is.
Do you know there's so many people, multitudes of people that are choosing wrong? Well, I just don't believe in the Bible. I just don't believe in Jesus. I, I don't believe he's a healer. I don't believe he's a provider. These are dangerous choices, right? Especially when the God of heaven is like, listen, I'll prove myself to you, right? Choose to believe and walk with me and see what happens in your life. So as we take this, believing, see, if, if you choose to believe on a regular basis, you know what will happen? Your faith will grow, right? So this is how it works. I find God's will in my life. I choose it. I believe it's true. I believe him. I renew my mind to it by muttering and speaking the word of God. And now the word in my heart and coming out of my mouth, it literally produces things in my life. So let's jump over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at the end of verse 12 and verse 13. This is a huge a huge thing. Now remember, all that we are talking about right now is rest. The walk of faith is rest. It's, it's not toil. The Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard, but the walk of faith is a rest. You're going to see people that are going to lay hold of some of the greatest miracles that anyone's ever seen, and, and you're going to look at it and go, Wow, that was so easy. Have you ever had the Lord come to you? I have had him come to me before and say, Tony, you have to stop micromanaging your faith. And this is how you do it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. At the end of this verse, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. That means I don't work out Jeanette's salvation. I work out my own salvation, and how do I do it? With a reverence and an honor and a respect for God above everything else in my life. That's how I do this. I don't try to walk out other people's, you know, I pastor a church, it's not my job to work out somebody else's salvation, right? Every time I've ever tried I'm getting away from what God would have me to do. I'm out of line with that. That's called sin. And it never produces anything good. Ever. Right? So so we never, if you're in your life right now, and you're trying to change an individual, you are wrong. Right? You're never going to change your spouse. Right? You're not going to change your family. No, no. God can change them, and we pray for them. Why? To invite God in their situation so that God can work, but I'm going to work out my own salvation with a reverence, honor, and a respect for God. Verse 13, for it is God which works in me or in you, and he's doing this both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The word worketh means God is on the inside of you, energizing you to want to do his will and to do his will. That's what he does. Realize this. We are to walk and live by faith. 
which means that God made you and I to operate out of rest, not out of stress, right? The greatest expression of faith is rest. If being in faith wears you out, realize this, you're not in faith, right? Because faith is a rest. I'm, I'm no longer trying to work it out. I'm just thanking him that it's done. And, and isn't that hard, though, in the natural? Because we work for everything. And so, you know, what do you mean I've been diagnosed with something that could kill me and I just simply go, well, Father, your word said that Jesus redeemed me from the curse of the law, which includes all sickness and disease, and, 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 and it brings clarity in Matthew 8 because Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain so I don't have to. And so you sent your word and healed me, past tense. So I know that was on the cross. So what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. So Father, I just, and see, this is why we micromanage our faith. So Father, right now, I just believe that I receive Let's say you have four, stage four cancer. I was listening to a minister today. Stage four cancer. Goes in, first diagnosis. Uh, sir, we're really sorry. We'll give you a maximum. I mean, he's, he's just serving God, preaching. Started feeling some stuff in his body. Goes to the doctor. They do the tests. And they're like, um, you have stage four cancer. There's cancer from your brain all the way down past your hips, in every lymph node in your body, and, and, and 40% of your bone marrow is dead, so you have six months to live. Now, this is the way this guy preaches today. I mean, he's walking around, he's doing this, and he's just, I mean, talks 900 miles an hour. That was 10 years ago. And he get, when he gets up to preach, he's like, you know, I go all over the country and I preach. And he goes, you got to understand, I was given six months to live. I was supposed to die. You know what I have in common with real old people? Have you ever noticed people that are really old or people that should be dead, they don't care what they say. And he'll tell people, he's like, so I'm not here. I am not here to try to make you like me. I'm here to bring you the word. He goes, I don't care because I should be dead, but he healed me. So you get diagnosed with something like that, and guess what? Is it as simple as, okay, so Father, I just believe that I receive. Father, I thank you that I'm healed. Right? And you're in this mighty faith church, and what happens? People are texting you, calling you. They see you at church. How are you feeling? How are things going? What did the doctor say? That's not what you need, is it? But this is, could it be that simple that literally, God, all of my trust is in you? So I'm I'm at rest. Because if you try to do anything, what else do you do? Really? So here's the key. You don't want to start out in that situation. So this is why as you're going down the street in your little faith mobile right? You want to make sure that love tank is full. 
and that you don't walk in any unforgiveness and you don't walk in any offense, that you're quick to forgive and you're quick to apologize. And the apology is not like this, oh, sweetie, you know, I'm really sorry that I talked to you like that. And then here it comes, all the excuses. Well, you know, so-and-so did this and I was facing. No, no. Be real quick to just go, hey, I was wrong. Right? That's what we do. You walk in love. You're quick to forgive. You stay away from offense. How do you do that? You work out your own salvation. You don't worry about anybody else. Right? So this is how we do it. And then all of a sudden, God's going to be like, okay, I want you to believe me for a bicycle or a dress shirt or like where Keith Moore started out, Keith and Phyllis. They go to Rama. They had no money. They lived in a really bad apartment when they first moved there and they get up, uh, they go check their car and somebody had siphoned out all their gas and they had no money to buy any more gas. So this desire came up in their heart. Okay, well, let's just believe God. And so they just believed God for a tank of gas because they didn't know how they were going to do it. And all of a sudden their phone rang. Hey, um, Keith, Phyllis, the Lord just spoke to us. Do you guys need gas? I mean, have you ever called anybody up and said that to them? I've never, <laughs> right? Do you need, and they came over and they, they, they put gas in their gas tank, took them to a gas station, bought them a tank of gas, gave them money for another tank of gas. Why? Well, when you believe God, you'll always get more. But that's where they started out. And you know, if they hadn't started out there, I wonder if they'd be rocking the world today. I remember when Kenneth Copeland, we were at the Kenneth Copeland uh, Pastors Conference one time, and we're sitting there and Kenneth is telling a story about how that the Lord had put it on his heart and glorious heart that they would never borrow money. Right? They'd do everything debt-free. So they're living with uh, Kenneth's parents, and they have little kids. And here's Gloria, young mom, really wants her own house. Kenneth's dad's a business guy. He comes home, and at dinner, Kenneth's dad goes, hey, a friend of mine's a builder, and he's building, there's a new neighborhood, he's building houses, and he told me, have your son just come down and pick out whatever house he wants. And he goes, he could just pay me back. As his ministry grows, he could start out right where he's at. And just as his ministry grows, he could just pay a little more until he pays it off. Right? And so his dad was all excited because his dad's going, because I, I need to get you out of my house. Right? <laughs> and so here's Kenneth and Gloria were just in a meeting with Brother Hagen. Young ministers, nobody knows them. And they're sitting there and Brother Hagen's up there preaching, you know. And he's like, okay, whoever's willing to make a commitment that they are going to live for this word their whole life and put it first, I want you to stand. And they stood in that meeting. This is right before this happened. And they committed to God, we will do what your word says. Whatever you direct us to do, we'll do. And this was part of it, that we'll never borrow money. He was going to travel and minister. We'll never ask anybody for a place to go minister. 
It's like, Kenneth, you better maybe take marketing or something, right? But it worked out pretty well for him, from him, wouldn't you say? So, so Kenneth is sitting there, and, and just the pressure, because, and finally, he said he didn't realize it, but he, he just stood up so fast, and it kicked the chair away, and it hit like one of the appliances. And he goes, no, we will never borrow money. And you know, then the heavens parted and they just had a Holy Ghost meeting. Nope, that's not what happened. His dad got mad at him. Are you kidding me? Right? But they stood. I leaned over, remember, do you remember that? I leaned over to you and I said, you know, if he would have taken that house, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today with 1,700 other ministers and, and the largest ministry in the world who's impacting the world. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be here today. But see, this is what I'm saying, guys. Gosh, I'm not, oh, I was really hoping to get through all this. I actually had 20 pages of notes. Is that ridiculous? Start wherever you are. When you look at every story of Jesus ministering to people, he met people right where they were, and then he lifted them up to a new level. So we have to get this right. We work out what he's working in. God's word, I think we said this last week, this has been going off in me. God's word is a seed that will keep you at rest. Man, God's word is an anchor in my spirit. It's constantly washing over my mind because I'm speaking the word all day, every day. I, I mean, it's just, it keeps you at rest. Keeps you at rest. Hallelujah. You cannot understand how to trust God without understanding how to enter his rest. Entering his rest, which means the degree that you cease from your own works will demonstrate to you the degree of trust you have in him. You have to look at this because it's always your actions to tell you. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know right where you are because if you don't know where you are, how can you know how to get to your destination? Trusting God, it demands that we enter into his rest. So the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. I'm telling you, he's going to lead you to this, to where you're in a battle and it's going to get very complicated and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, wait a minute. No, why am I stressing about getting healed? I already am healed. Why, why am I, do I do this? Do I do that? Do I do this? Do I go here? What do I do? Instead of just going, oh, wait, time out. I think I'm just going to step out of this whole thing and just go, wait, I already have the victory. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. You're going to have to come to a place where you cease from your own works. And what that does is it puts you in a position where all your trust is in the Lord. See, we have to cease from our own works. I'm not trying to work something out in my own self-effort. In other words, it's not about me. 
It's about him. Don't make anything about you. Right? Father, I I need you to show up and I'm so thankful because I just read in your word where, oh my gosh, you showed up. Jesus already won this battle for me. So I'm standing here. Everything in the natural says I lose, but you say I win. So I'm gonna gonna go with you. And then you look down at Satan and you're like, I win, you gotta go. Body, you gotta change. Finances, you gotta change. Provision, you have to come. Peace, joy, strength is mine. I'm not trying to get it, I already have it. This is huge. This is the walk of faith. If you talk about rest, why did God rest on the seventh day? Because he was tired? No, you know, you need to walk in the rest of God because you're tired. No, God did not rest. He did not cease from his own works because he was tired. He ceased from his own works because he was finished. We cease from our own works because... It is finished. Isn't it amazing? Everything was finished almost 2,000 years ago. So from this point on, I just say, why don't we just say we're victorious? We're increasing. We're strong. That, I mean, this is, this is faith. Because this is the reality of things. If you're not at rest then God cannot work. Because for him to work, he would have to violate your will for him to work. And he can't do that. So why don't we just rest? Why don't we just decide, okay, Lord, I'm willing and I'm obedient. And I thank you that you are going to see to it that I eat the good of the land. You mess up your financial life and you go to him and go, okay, Lord, here's this stack of debts. But didn't this, my stupidity did not change the fact that you established an eternal jubilee for me. So you've got mail, and I call all these bills paid. Now you lead me and you guide me. And now this is where an immature word of faith person would do. The Holy Spirit would start stirring you to sell your car and take the bus. And you'd be like, that can't be God. <laughs> right? Because part of that is be willing to do what he, be, be willing to go, stop from your own work, work, him, work out what he wants, right? I still remember when Keith Moore would tell a story about, he, he had this Corvette. He used to drive these really bright colored Corvettes. I think when I was at Ramey, I had a yellow one. And uh, the Lord told him, he goes, I didn't tell you to buy that. And so, so he told Keith, I want you to sell that because I want you to sow more. You've got to get ready for something that I have for you. So he, he, of course, sold it and bought a truck. And the Lord said, I didn't tell you to buy a truck. Now, when you buy a new car and then you sell it, you lose money. Then you go buy a truck and you've got to sell that and you lose money. And then he walked, he, or he didn't walk, Uh, he had to trust his wife to give him rides for a year. For a year. That was uncomfortable to his flesh, but that's rest. 
because he disobeyed. Guess what? I don't think he's worried about it today, right? Because he's no longer believing God for some, something here. Now he's believing God for millions and he's still at rest. This is what we're talking about. In divine healing, God is your healer. This is a done deal. So I'm going to close with this. I want to read a story which gives us a picture of rest. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in verse 10. Hallelujah. I, 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 I hope you're getting some things here tonight. Deuteronomy 6.10. And it says this, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and wells digged which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you shall have eaten and be full, then beware lest you forget the Lord. Now, how do you forget the Lord? How do we forget the Lord? Do you know what that means? You forget the Lord is when you forget to keep his word. Or I should say it this way, forgetting the Lord is not keeping his word. If you study that whole story out and, and others that are in line with this, that's what forgetting the Lord is. It's not keeping his word. And you forget not, or lest you forgot the Lord which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. This, this is a picture of rest for a New, time, a New Testament believer. See, God wants to give you things that you're not having to work 30 years for. God wants to eradicate sickness and disease from your body in a matter of hours, days, weeks, or a couple months that should normally never be able to happen or should take years to happen. He wants, he wants you to just believe that you receive it and be fully persuaded that the word of God will work and bring it to pass. You don't have to. This is, this is huge. We're not to work where God works. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about I'm resting, and I'll leave you with this, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because grace is a place and the place of grace is the person of Jesus Christ. Grace is a person. And it's your Lord. It's your Savior. I rest in the finished work. You're a world overcomer. Your seed will be mighty on the earth, says the Lord. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You'll be able to curse and condemn every tongue that rises against you in judgment. You've been given all of the delegated authority in the name of Jesus. And whatever you bind on earth, he's going to bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Isn't this amazing? I'm resting 
in the finished work of Jesus. That's what we're talking about. It's the highest level of faith. So tonight, give yourself a break. Right? Let him carry it all. But Lord, I just don't know how to forgive this person. Give it to him. And just start declaring, I forgive that person. Crucify your flesh and pray if the Holy Spirit stirs you to pray. Bless the person if it stirs you. Whatever. But as you work out what he's working in, it's rest. There's grace to empower that. If you're believing God for your healing, he'll tell you what to confess. He'll lead you to scriptures. He'll bring people around you. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I will not lack. I will not diminish. I will not decrease. He makes me lie down in green pastures at rest, satisfied, right? He's the one that anoints my head with oil and therefore now my cup, it runs over and surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a picture of our life as children of God. Hallelujah.